Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. Thank you so much, everyone, who has been liking, subscribing, and reviewing my little podcast. Actually, our little podcast. We are growing in numbers every day, and that is 100% because of you and our guests. Today's guest is Mia Smithson. She is the CEO and founder of the 30K program. Hello, Mia. Hello, hello. Excited to be here. Awesome. So what's a 30K program? We help women to negotiate for their business worth. So what I mean by that is my background is as a global director of talent management, right? So I've interviewed about 5,000 people. And I noticed that a man and a woman will be interviewing for the same role. And they'll have comparable experience, right? And the man will ask for, say... 120k and the woman will ask for 100k and then immediately so pull back that number and say i'd be okay with going lower right and it's this immediate degradation of her business work and i've heard this not once not twice but literally hundreds of times and i've seen because part of my role has been also being involved in like comp analysis and working with the person who spearheads it. And I've seen firsthand what that looks like when you do see some pay inequality and the results of that. And so, um, yeah, so the 30K program, we specialize in helping women to effectively package their skills and negotiate for their business work. And the result of this is um, an average increase in compensation of about $30,000. And so the way that I like to quantify it is that's one year. And the average U.S. woman works approximately 43 years. So if we help them to increase their comp, which is our average, right, by 30K times 43, that's $1.29 million. So if a woman joins us, you know, pretty early on in her career, that's a really sizable amount of money. And so I always just like, I don't know, thinking, thinking through like what a lot of people are leaving on the table. Um, and I personally really relate to this mission because I found out I was underpaid by what, what about $30,000. And so, yeah, it was actually like a week after I, um, after I found that out that I founded this program because I was like, hold up. Like, <laughs> There's literally, I've heard this so many times doing the interviews, but then mm-hmm. for it to even happen to myself is just astonishing. And like, and I do want to note that like someone can be underpaid and still be earning what a lot of people would be considered a substantial salary, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I found that out, I was already in the top 10% of earners in the US. I was making a six-figure salary and I was still underpaid, Right. And so I think it's just important to note, like no one wants to be paid less than what their business worth is. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I'm so passionate. And I keep on saying business worth and not like just worth, because I think that there's a really clear delineation that has to be drawn in the sense that um, I believe that we're 100% worthy as human beings. 
Like you, if you went to Harvard, you're not going to be more worthy than me, right? Or innately worthy. But our business worth differs depending on, you know, our skill set, how we package those skills, all of those things, right? And so how we, that's really where we focus on is helping them to up-level their business worth and not just their worth as as we so, yes, yeah. I love that you have a distinct separation of that because I know a lot of business women, their worth is their business worth. Like they have a hard time separating that. And it is so important to be able to pull yourself away and have the different hats. I am worthy because I fucking breathe. You know, I'm worthy because I'm here. I'm worthy just because I exist. That's completely separate from your business worth. I love that you focus on that. And that the focus is not women being paid less because a lot of the arguments, sorry, a lot of the discussions, they're arguments, but they're trying to be discussions that I have with people. And I'm talking about the gender pay gap that's brought up. They're like, well, it's not men's fault that when they go in, they negotiate for a higher pay and therefore their base level is already higher. So when they get their 3%, they're actually getting like 6% higher because their base level is higher. And then the gap just gets bigger and bigger from there. They're like, well, that's not men's fault, but we're not saying it's men's fault. What we're saying is there's definitely an issue there. I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's societally women are pressured to be meek. They're supposed to be, we're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to just be happy with what we get. And therefore we don't want to ask for too much. We don't want to be too much, et cetera but it's just an issue. There's no one to blame for it. This is an issue and it needs to be addressed. So I love how you're handling this and how you're giving women the power to do that. So what's an example of a negotiation tactic you can use in getting that better salary? Or do they have to pay you to get all of those? (laughs) No, I'm happy to share. So um, some of my favorites, well, Okay, so spilling the candy is what not to do. And that's what I've heard. I mean, I have literally heard this. Of the 5,000 interviews, at least 3,000 of them spilled the candy. What is spilled the candy? (laughs) That is where the person tells you their compensation, right? And they literally give you information that by law, employers in the United States are not able to ask for. They are Mm -hmm. spilling their you know, what they're, what they're currently making. And like, I literally, like, it's, it's shocking to me because then all of your negotiation prowess, like, and I'll give you a really clear cut example of someone who didn't smell the candy. And that's actually my sister. So my little sister is a senior technical recruiter and she was working at a company and I'm going to give like a rough amount, not going to say the exact salary she was making, but let's just say roughly. $70,000. And she was interviewing, she was switching from like staffing to corporate. And so it's a little bit, a little bit different. And she didn't really know the full range because glass door can be incredibly misleading. I never recommended glass doors that like what to look for as that range. Anyways, though, she arrives at the negotiation and the hiring manager goes, you know, what are you looking for? And she, what she does is incredibly smart. So first, she did not say her current salary. So she did not spill the candy 
And then she did another negotiation technique called reversing. Mm-hmm. And so in reversing, what you do is the person asks you a question and you ask the question right back. So she goes, oh, you know, I'm curious before I let you know that information. Um, what is the salary range for the role? Right. Mm-hmm. And in eight states right now, legally, employers are required to tell you. But what's funny is that like, well, eight states by law are required to tell you. I mean, I have heard of a significant amount of employers who are actually willing to tell you if you ask, right? Yeah. She asked, and the employer at first didn't actually tell her. The employer said, oh, you know, I'm not actually sure the full range, only the hiring manager goes or knows it. And um, she goes, oh, okay, um, you know, I, it's important for me to know all the information up front when I'm interviewing for a role. Mm-hmm. After you connect further with the hiring manager, could you, you know, let me know what that salary range looks like, right? And that's called the double reversal, which is when they don't tell you and you asked it again. She asked in a very polite, courteous manner. Right. Right. And she found out. And you know what she found out? And this literally, like, gives me these replies. It's like, <laughs> it's so awesome. So she found out that the range was, like, 115 to 130. Uh-huh. She had been making right around 70,000 and she was targeting around 80,000. Mm-hmm. Now, because she didn't spill her candy, she kept all of her cards, literally negotiation is poker, and she yep. kept her cards there. She found out this additional information and was able to increase her yearly compensation by like, it was like 40 or $50,000. And that's a year. That is a year. So I just think it's really important to like think through like, these are not just like, like whenever I hear the advice from like financial planners and they're like, yeah, you need to be cutting back on your lattes and like stop going to the movie theaters. I'm like, you're literally talking about pennies when people yeah. are throwing away like dollars, not just some dollars, but literally thousands of dollars. And when you think about the cumulative effects of these dollars that people are losing, and then what's like even crazier that people were to invest this money. And that compounding of it that people like that a lot of obviously men are getting and are getting to get that compounding of it. It just, it's absolutely insane. So this is why I'm just so passionate about it because it's like, these are, they're not hard. It's just a skill you have to learn. Yes. Right. And once you get better at this skill, you can actually use this in all these different facets of your life, right? You start negotiating for lower rent and you, you, you watch it, all these doors start to open because now you have the knowledge base and you have the skill level to start to open these doors. And regardless, some of your audience, they could be entrepreneurs, right? Or they could be, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they have a year or two left before they transition to full-time entrepreneurship. It's not too late to still actually learn these skills. Even if you just have a year or two left before you're a full-time entrepreneur, understanding it and actually getting that practice and like, you know, earning an extra, whatever, 30,000 in a year, like that, it's, it's meaningful. Oh, for sure. And I have so many things. First, (laughs) you bringing up the compound effect of it. That's kind of what I was trying to say, because if your base salary is so much lower, the compound effect of your raises throughout the rest of your career in that company is ridiculous. And I can definitely see where this will help in entrepreneurship, because essentially entrepreneurs are selling themselves. They are. And that's what you're doing in negotiations. You're selling your business worth to the company that you're trying to work with. 
So if you're able to get this and get it down pat through a company, when you're relying on yourself solely, you already know that you can sell the shit out of yourself and get what you're worth. This is exciting stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. So did you just fall into this or do you have an education formally, informally to get you here? Let's see. I mean, I kind of an unusual path in the sense that after college, I taught English in Thailand and then I got back and I wanted to get my doctorate in clinical neuropsychopharmacology, which is a big word. It basically means it's the marriage between pharmacology and neuroscience, right? So that was just like very natural. And so I was working as a recruiter just to pay the bills Mm -hmm. while I was doing my pre-doctoral in neuropsychopharmacology. And I was really starting to enjoy recruiting, right? And so I was working at a staffing agency that has some really prestigious tech companies, right? They have clients like Salesforce, Microsoft, and Disney. And so I was quickly, within my first six months of working there, I was ranked in the top 15% of the 400 recruiters nationwide. And there's over 83 countries that they operate in. It's a pretty big Fortune 500 brand. And I was really, like, I was feeling like I was, like, really making an impact. Like, I started getting all these letters from people who I helped find jobs. And they were like, I'm providing for my family more. Like, it was just like really, really impactful. And I'll never forget it. Like, I moved to Chicago four years ago because I was accepted into this prestigious, you know, doctoral program in neuropsychopharmacology. And I was like, this is it. Perfect. And I like basically had to do a lot of soul searching on like, what do I want to do with my life? Because you can't really have like, in my opinion, like two careers that are not super related and do them both really, really well. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to do. Maybe some, maybe some people do it, but for me, I was like, that seems a little bit, you know, unfocused. And so I dropped out of the doctoral program. My parents were like, what are you doing? (laughs) And then what's so funny about it is that um, then I I got a job at this tech company and I started working. I was there for a year as a senior tech recruiter. And then that next year, I got three promotions. So I got promoted. Two of them were at once. So I got promoted from a senior tech recruiter straight to senior manager. So I never actually been a manager, but I've been a senior (laughs) manager. And then I got promoted again a few months later to the global director of talent management, overseeing talent for 400 employees in the U.S. and Mexico, and then uh, 450 contractors in seven countries. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's really been like an involvement, I would say, of my career. And it... I would say that like this program is just stemming from what I see as like the biggest need from what I've noticed just throughout my last seven years. I'm like, wow, it's like this problem has just been so recurrent, you know? And I think that like, for, like you're best adept at like solving the problem that A, you used to struggle with, which is true. Mm-hmm. And B, that like is very close to the best. Like I literally, I know what the law, the hiring laws are. I have, I know, you know, compensation analysis of what's done on the company's uh, side. And I've seen the pitfalls of like thousands of women. And so I know what not to do. And then I also know what to do because I see these super confident men go in there and they are like, it's so fascinating. They allow this silence in the negotiation. 
Your energy is very calm. And mm-hmm. I would say that the energy is a big thing. I noticed with a lot of women, it's this grassy energy, right? And they're like, oh, I just need a job. It's hard. Oh, this is the only job. <laughs> a lot of the men, it's this, this like natural kind of like prowess that they have. Mm-hmm. It's just natural like confidence, you know, that I just see. And it's just a very consistent Mm-hmm. you know and like the whole mindset that I kind of hear from them is that like well if you can't pay me what I know that my business worth is I'll find something who can like that's kind mm-hmm. of like the statement that I hear like in the back you know in the background they never say that but that's kind of what I'm like hearing right. you know and whereas for women it's more so like I hear this kind of like please are like that's like you're, <laughs> that's I can tell that that's what a lot of them were thinking you know, and uh, and they also are like scared to negotiate. Oh, I get that a lot. The minute I mm-hmm. bring that money, this woman who's this constant, you know, confident executive is all of a sudden like, well, it's like super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And like, it just, it's so fascinating. So, yeah. So true. And it's exactly what I've heard in discussions with people. There's definitely women who have done the work and tailored themselves. Like we own multiple businesses. And when it comes to money, my husband, he like runs away. We sell wine barrels and he's there to help pick them out. He's explaining the differences, you know, what you can use them best for. And as soon as I'm like, okay, are we doing Venmo cash check? How are we doing this? He's like, off. He's like, deuces, I'm out. Because he's not confident with negotiating money. Whereas I, on the other hand, am the opposite. And it's after years of being shit on and being paid way less than people with less skill than me. Now I don't allow it anymore. So if someone walks up and they're like, hey, I want this barrel. Will you take 50 bucks for it? And we charge 115. I can very easily and with confidence say, no, this is how much we charge. I don't feel the the need to negotiate. I don't feel, I know my business worth. So yeah. it's good that some women are getting there, but we definitely are the minority. And it's great that you are there to help women do that. So do you still do recruiting or are you like 100% in this 30K program? So my role, I am still global director of talent management mm-hmm. while I'm scaling this program. So, and I think it goes back to, I can see doing the neuropharmacology and recruiting would be very hard because they're not tied together, Mm -hmm. but I can see how both of these are very closely tied together and you could succeed in both of them. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) So what's been your biggest obstacle in getting this program going? My biggest obstacle. It's interesting. I would say... So at first, when I started, I still called it the 30K program, but I was focused on helping women increase their earnings by roughly 30K in three ways. It was either A, through helping them find a higher paying job, which is what we do now, Mm -hmm. B, helping them to start and scale a business. And then the third option was we call it the woman who wants it all. And this was someone who they want to start and scale a business and then concurrently they, you know, want a promotion, right? And so that would equate to about the 30K. And this was after I'd basically been doing coaching for about a year. So I'd already like 
proven I had revenue. And this was, I started off just doing general life coaching for about a year. And then my, I guess it was like eight, the next eight months, I had these like three different ways to earn the 50K. And what's so fascinating is that I thought that like providing multiple options would be super valuable in the way to get the program off the ground. Mm-hmm. But it actually caused there to be like a lack of clarity in like the voice because I'd be like writing emails or creating a post and I'd be like, well, if you, you know, well, you're starting your business, right? Or like, and then the next one would be about getting a promotion. And so it, it came across as like a little bit more diluted Muddled. versus I've had just this one path, which is, it's so funny because this has been like throughout all of my coaching, the biggest theme is that almost everyone who has come to me and gotten like incredible results, it's been through helping them find higher paying jobs. Like even when I was just doing general life coaching, mm-hmm. everyone who was flocking to my profile, they were all like, everyone looking calls, they were like, oh, well, your background, <laughs> I want a new job, right? And so by actually focusing and narrowing in, the messaging has gotten so clear, so concise. We know exactly our women, right? And even we even now have Twitter clarity because 80% of the women who joined the program were already at six figures when they joined, which is super fascinating. And that was actually not something I was like, you have to make in six figures. Like, no, we're open to everybody. But I think it's just really, really fascinating because it keeps on getting even more like specific. But but yeah, anyone, you know, could be making 50K and and join. And I think that that would be great. Yeah, I I would say that like the focus and like having a very clear like person that you help and like one thing that you help them with that has been a game changer I'm actually not surprised that most of the women you deal with already are making a substantial amount of money because when you make 100k making 30k extra in a year doesn't seem that far-fetched but if you're making 40k you're almost doubling your income and that seems really freaking hard so i i can see how you're drawing in those those more high income earners already it's so fascinating i i guess i wasn't expecting that at all i thought our yeah. app would be like i don't know 70 to 95k or something like that but yeah that surprised me but it sounds like your intuition was spot on <laughs> <laughs> So what's helped you most? I heard the obstacle, but I like being optimistic. So what's helped you most in this? Learning how to manage my mind. Oh, So I narrowed in and started focusing on this one path while working a full-time job and getting three promotions in a year and having my role go from just doing recruiting to now being, you know, global director of talent for (laughs) 400 uh, employees in 450 contracts. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I went from like, there was so much growth happening in like corporate. Well, at the same time, having to like figure out how to build a business and scale it. And like, I would say that like the ability to like lean into discomfort, like I firmly believe that discomfort is a currency of your dreams. And that's actually my favorite mm-hmm. quote. I have it as my favorite. Yes. And leaning into it because I cannot tell you the number of things that I've done that have felt uncomfortable. Like even in my day job, giving presentations to, you know, 400 plus people on a regular basis, right? And having my like trainings and leadership development, all these things recorded, 
for people where, like hundreds more to watch it, right? And I'm getting comfortable with that. And then in like, I would say the 3DK program, it's been really managing my, my mindset and, and actually managing my mindset has allowed me to even more effectively kind of package the program because I think I've been able to like more draw in, like I haven't been getting like muddled in my own mind drama and I've been able to like really understand like the full pain of what these women are experiencing and then also to quantify it. It wasn't until like I, you know, had started meditating every day and like really got crystal clear in my mindset that I realized it was like 1.2 million that a woman is like losing and like not taking advantage of. Yeah. You know, she's losing that 30K over a 43 year career. And I don't think I would have like put together those dots if I wasn't like meditating and having like a very clear practice on like kind of getting out of my own head and actually like focusing on a woman and focusing on serving. And so I would just say that like having some like regular like mindset practice and that could be meditating. It could be having, you know, a walk and you're maybe not listening to anything. You're just listening to silence and hearing your thoughts. I think that just having some sort of a practice like that, it's one of the most beneficial things you could ever do. I love that quote so much. That is so good. And I've been focusing a lot on the quiet, the stillness personally, because I went from owning, we owned multiple businesses. I was working over 90 hours a week. My husband and I both were, we were just go, 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 go. We ended up closing one of them. And now we're working, I mean, still like 50 hours a week, but that to us feels like we have so much free time. So reincorporating silence, reincorporating the slowness of winter where, you know, hibernation is where we're feeling on the inside. I've seen a huge shift in when I do work, the output is much more efficient. And when I'm able to just sit and be quiet, the ideas just flow. It's so awesome. I love it. What advice would you give someone wanting to enter into your career, your program, or looking for that job? That's a great question. Well, if you're interested in the program, I would say definitely schedule a call. Mm-hmm. I would say the low, like the low hanging fruit is like if you are wanting to get a higher paying job, I think it's really important to not do what's called the spray and pray, which is where you're like throwing your resume <laughs> and you have that like graspy energy and you're not tailoring it. And like, I think it's really, really important to be incredibly intentional with where you place your, um, your resume and having, really knowing that like, if I'm applying to a role, that it is a, it seems like a really, really great fit. And, mm-hmm. you know, research the company and you're kind of going at it from like an in-demand energy, right? Like one of my favorite mantras is like, I am in demand. When you start to look for evidence that you are in demand. So I always have to say like having that mindset is like really, really, really key. And if you're like, oh, I still need more help, more like, I don't know how to like write a resume or anything. I have spent hours upon hours upon hours and I've gotten uh, friends of mine involved who have worked at you know Airbnb Microsoft and Google and actually created a like a 
job application. It's called Match in Seven Seconds because the average recruiter will send a resume for a project in seven seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And it has like interview best practices. It has resume templates. And I literally ask permission from my friends to include their resumes. Um, and so you know exactly how to list out and how to structure skills. And their names are shadowed for confidentiality reasons. But yeah, if you go to the 30kprogram.com, it's literally entirely free. And oh, wow. Yeah. And it's funny because I showed that to like some friends and they were like, you're not charging that. Like this is talking. But um, I really like a personal philosophy that I have is that I want our, our free stuff to be as good as other people's free stuff. Yeah. Just because I think that having a quality that, that, that is that high is like really, really important. Plus, if only 1% of the say, um, you know, people that hear this message during the program, like to me, like, I think that's great. And I think that being able to still make a difference in the brother 99, you know, people or whatever, like that to me is so important. I mean, our time on like earth is limited. And so, yeah, having an impact is, is really important. Yes. One of my core values is giving a hundred percent. This podcast is free and not saying that I give all the nuggets, but I try to share 17 years of experience in male dominated fields just because I'm passionate. And that's what life is for me. Like I said, it's my core value. Every time I enter into a situation, I look to see how I can help in that situation. So knowing that you have the same mindset, I'm liking you more and more, Mia. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So you gave us some good advice. Now I would like to know some good advice you've received. So what's the best advice you've received? I would say get comfortable with rejection. Mm. I think that rejection is one of the most valuable gifts in life. I think I was really fearful of failing, getting rejected. And I think that like, so one of the things I personally did was I started a rejection jar, under rejections. Mm. I'd put in a coffee bean every time I got rejected. And this was every time I got rejected. So we do, um, we have like affiliate partnerships for the 30K program. And whenever I you know, would reach out to someone who has like a, a blog or she has something that I was like, oh, this would be a great partnership. Anytime I would get rejected, even in my corporate job, like with anything, I brought up an idea that wasn't like people that we decided not to move forward with or something. I would put in a little coffee bean into this mason jar. Mm-hmm. And as I watched like the coffee beans accumulate, what I realized was that like there was nothing to fear except for not doing the thing that scared you. Because if I'm 80 years old and if I don't have a mason jar full of coffee, of, you know, beans <laughs> that I'm showcasing how I failed, then that's a failure, right? And I'd always rather be in the arena putting myself out there. And so, like, I would actually recommend getting a mason jar and getting coffee beans and starting your own rejection jar. And I would say that, like, when you hit 100, you are a different person. And you almost befriend it. You befriend the negative or, quote, like, a comfortable emotion that comes oftentimes with it. And you get used to it. And you start to, like, enjoy it because the more rejections, more failures you have, the more successes that you have as well. And I actually got this idea from Relapse Coach and they have, it was, the idea was like a hundred urges. 
And the whole concept was if you kind of withstood your 100 urges, you didn't eat the cake, you didn't do whatever, you'd lose 20 pounds. And there's like weight loss coach like swore by it. And so it's funny because I kind of adapted a version of that for my personal life. And, mm-hmm. and I think it has just made a really impactful difference. It basically positively reinforces like failure and reduction where you're able to like not do it. Yeah. And I've not done this, but while you were saying it, just picturing the jar filling up and seeing that you're still there, you're still you, you're it. Yes, you have these rejections in there, but it didn't change anything negatively. Like it's just one bean in a whole life of interactions, one bean at a time out of, you know, like you said, how many successes did you have? That's a good way of putting it out there. I really like that. And like you said in the beginning, if you're uncomfortable, you're growing. I mean, you you worded it differently. I I forget how you worded it, but if you're getting rejected, that means you're pushing through that uncomfort and you're growing and going forward. So that's awesome. So we've talked a lot about business, but I like to get to know you a little personally. What do you do for fun, Mia? salsa dancing really I did it like all throughout college like literally every single weekend of college and so it's something I still keep up and it's just like a really great way to connect with people and like Mm -hmm. especially so like I'm I've lived in San Francisco for like a month so I literally like don't know many people and so it's nice having like a natural facet where you can just go out and just immediately you know start dancing and like and it's cool because like you feel like there's there's automatically a really cool commonality because typically someone who salsa dances, um, you have to have like a level of discipline to be able to withstand the training, which is not easy. Mm-hmm. They're also typically athletic and oftentimes a lot of them are healthy and kind of have a lot of the similar values. So that's like one thing I really enjoy. I also really enjoy just like anything that has to do with like learning. So whether that's like going to a conference or like listening to podcasts. Um, but I will say there's a phase of my life where I read a book a week. And while on paper that sounds super sexy, <laughs> the reality of it was when I did that, I stopped implementing as much because I was consuming yes. so much. And I believe that overconsumption leads to bloating, mental bloating. Mm-hmm. And so I have a really strict one-to-one ratio of consuming versus creating. So if I listen to something, I immediately, you know, derive whatever value that I need from it and I need to implement what I deem is appropriate for the things I've decided to focus on with my life. And having that really clear, like, delineation of, like, not over-consuming, but, like, doing it moderately has allowed me to enjoy it and at the same time enjoy the action as well that is kind of that natural pair to the learning yeah I love that so much I set a word for my year I don't know if you've heard of that so instead of doing new year's resolutions or anything I set a word and this year my word is integrate because I've spent so much money I've been in therapy for years. I've consumed so many books. I've paid thousands in coaches and for masterminds and courses. And over the last few years, I've just consumed, consumed, consumed. And I call it 
information constipation. <laughs> so oh, same thing. <laughs> so I just have all of this information in here and so many things that I desire to do. But like you said, if you consume too much, you don't have time to integrate. And that my focus this year is to go back and read all my notes, to go through my coursework again, just the highlights and remember what I learned from it and actually implement it. And that's my focus this year. Not saying I'm not going to read because I feel like you should always be learning. Not saying that I'm going to just completely cut everything out and focus on the past. But while my life continues on and I keep doing the things that come up, I'm going to be integrating so that I can be the best version of myself and actually utilize all the freaking money I've spent already to learn. <laughs> oh my gosh. How, how utterly brilliant. I am curious, like, you know, as someone who you have invested, I'm guessing thousands of dollars in your mental health, thousands mm-hmm. of hours, I'm sure with the time, what would you say if you had to kind of distill it down to like one or two key learnings? What would you say that those are? Ooh, in my therapy or in, cause I've had business coaches, spiritual coaches, just all the things I've invested a lot in just everything health wise um, and just existence pretty much in the last few years. But do you mean like mental health or business or? Um, I would say just out of all of the like coaches um, at, or therapists that you hired, mm-hmm. like kind of the key, maybe like the key lesson from the coaches and the key lesson from like the therapist. I'd say for therapy and obviously therapy is a hundred percent tailored to the person. So yeah. this is my experience with my therapist's multiple over the last years because of my existence on this earth. So the number one thing I've learned from therapy is your childhood may have set the standard for where you are now, but it doesn't define who you can be. That's what I've gotten from therapy. I'm in remission for CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I had a really shitty childhood. And the more you learn about therapy and stuff, the more I've realized how much your childhood really does define who you are, your values, all of that stuff. But just because your childhood set that doesn't mean that's it for life. You can change and adapt. That has helped exponentially for sure. And from coaches, honestly, the biggest thing I've gotten from all the courses, the masterminds, working one-on-one with coaches is that the number one thing holding you back is yourself. Yeah, that is everyone I've talked to. That's what I've learned. I've even on this podcast, I have spoken with amazing women, actors. I've spoken with attorneys, business owners, just people that when you you hear their accreditations, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I get to talk to these people. And almost every single one, when I said, what was your biggest obstacle? It was a limiting belief that they had. It wasn't that someone was in their way. It wasn't that they couldn't get their job. It was, I didn't think I could do this. Or I thought that I wasn't good enough to do this. It makes me feel good because I'm not the only one holding myself back. But it kind of pisses me off because we're the ones holding ourselves back, you know? Yeah, it's so fascinating. Like, it's true. Like, we really are not in competition with anybody except for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that that just further showcases that. And I think it's actually a really exciting takeaway 
from all these coaches because we hold the power, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can truly change and transform and it's up to no one else but us. And that to me is like really freeing because then it's like, I don't have to rely on like X, Y, Z and like every, my circumstances have to be perfect and yada, yada. And it has to be 74 degrees and I have to (laughs) make perfectly keto breakfast. And like, I know instead I can show up because that's, you know, the accountability you've set with yourself. So that's what, like, what fascinating realization. For yeah. Hands. Well, it's super empowering. Yeah. But it also sucks <laughs> because I can't blame anyone but myself anymore. <laughs> it's not my childhood. It's not, and this is putting all together. It's not my childhood. It's not because someone was mean to me. It's not because I have bad genes. Where I'm at is me. Yeah. It's not just my accomplishments, but it's also my fault if I'm not where I want to be. But I'm 100% in control to fix it. So it's, it's a good mix of both. So that's really all I have for you, except where can people find you? How can they work with you? Give us all your deets. Yeah. Go to the 30kprogram.com, download Master the 7 Seconds, and on our website, you can also give us a call. Awesome. And do you have a LinkedIn, any way they connect with you personally? If they're like, Mia, we are soul sisters. Let's be besties. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, BS MSN. I think I'm, if you type that into Google, I think the first result that pops up. So definitely do add me, follow, and yeah. Great. Well, I will definitely include all your links in the description. And Mia, I just appreciate this time with you so much. You gave so many nuggets of wisdom that I'm going to have to re-listen to it again. All right. Thank you. You have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. To continue this and more conversations, you can always find me at d at fragmentors.com. That's D-E-A at fragmentors.com on Instagram and Facebook at Fragmentors. And I also have a Facebook group uh, called Fragmentors where all the ladies with like-minded business sense hang out and enjoy. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.